1: coming in from China. It's going to disappear one day. It's like a miracle. It will all be great. We're going to be so good. This is a pandemic. The Betches SUP Podcast. No, I don't take responsibility at all.
2: Hello, and welcome to the SUP Daily Coronacast. I'm Elise Morales. And I'm Caitlin Byrd. And the Coronacast is your daily rundown of all the latest news on COVID-19, how we're getting through it, and just how close we are to ending this crisis. Let's get into it. Caitlin,
0: how are you? Yeah. Oh my gosh, Elise has been so long. It's so exciting. <laughs> I know, um, I know. It's wild. I, I we wish did. I had like better stuff to say. Like you're like, <laughs> oh, well, the world's collapsed. How are you doing?
2: Um, yeah, the world. My world has also collapsed. Um, and I am. Uh, I'm in my apartment, which is where I've been for the past sixty something days. I always lo- I lose count. Of what day of quarantine it is, I'm impressed by people who know their exact count.
0: Yeah, no, keeping track of it, like, wow, those people, so <laughs> impressive. Yeah, that's not my energy at all. <laughs> if
2: I were to be keeping track of it, it would be like, um, like in like an old timey prison cell. Like I would be like marking it off on the wall, like every
0: day. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking about that, like hashtags on the wall to be like. There's another one. you Wake up in the middle of the day and you're like, can't remember what day it is. (laughs) I keep where I'm at. Um,
2: this is fitting because it is Wednesday, but I keep skipping Wednesday mentally and going straight to Thursday every week. I'm shocked to
0: find out that it's Wednesday. (laughs) I think my major one is Tuesday. Uh, for some reason, Monday makes sense, Wednesday makes sense, but Tuesday, I have to often remind myself I'm in Tuesday when I'm in Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Today is wait. No, no, not, no, yes. Tuesday, specifically. <laughs> it's it's the middle ones that
2: really get you.
0: because Friday you're like,
2: okay, it's Friday, which doesn't really mean anything anymore, but it
0: kind of means something. <laughs> It still has emotional resonance. You've been doing it for years. Yeah. Uh, speaking of stuff we've been doing for years, though, or not, or, like, the last two days, trying to get back into years of, of living, <laughs> <laughs> back into routines. Yes. I've definitely
2: been um, trying to, like, eat on a normal schedule, all of that stuff. All right. Should we get into the news? Oh, news. <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> Uh, okay. As of today, which is May 20th, all 50 states have now partially eased their coronavirus lockdowns. Connecticut became the last state to begin easing its restrictions today. Um, but you know, strangely enough, uh, 17 states are still showing clear signs of upward trends in cases with 92,000 Americans now dead from coronavirus. Um, so, I don't know. I mean, my feeling right now is, like, now that it's opening up, we're never going to close. It's not going to close again.
0: Yeah. It's it's really tough because I kind of wish that, like, there was more stability. Like, other countries are like, hey, let's just open up a little bit. And then, like, shit gets bad. They're like, let's scale that down a little bit. And, yeah. And like, testing kind of, like, the waters of, like, how much you're going to be able to, like, let people, like, interact with each other, whereas our society's, like, I don't know, it's mad mess, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, like, I, I think
2: it was Spain opened schools and then closed them because a bunch of cases popped up, but I just do not see us here. Like, once they reopen shit, I do not see us reclosing it, even if it should be reclosed.
0: Yeah, yeah, which is why I'm kind of, like, I'm darkly grateful for where New York is, where it's like, where the door is opening like so slowly that like, like with the understanding that like once you let 8 million people or roughly, I don't know, minus like 200,000, 250,000 rich people, um, you know, once you, once you let like 8 million people resume life, like you can't put the genie back in that bottle like once New York reopens, it's going to, people are just going to go wild. Yeah. Which I feel, you know, I no, feel that I, energy, but.
2: Yeah. I can, you can feel it in New York that people want to go out so bad. And, and it's tough. And I think, I think what's hard for people who aren't here to realize is like how small spaces our spaces are and how much the communal parks mean. And so like, Sometimes when I see, like, external criticism of New York, I'm like,
0: you don't get it. You don't understand what it's <laughs> like to be in here. <laughs> it's very true. And especially because it's been, like, so hard hit in so many ways. It's like, you know, like, we, we want to, like, get out and, like, enjoy the city. That's, like, why you live in New York City. No one lives in New York City so they can, like, not be in New York City. No one knows yeah. they're like, oh. That was my whole dream, to go and live inside four very small walls besides my shoebox. Yeah, the whole whole point is kind of to be able to be out in New York City,
2: uh, which is not allowed. And also, like, summer in New York is such a particular thing. And so, like, the fact that obviously summer in New York is not happening in a normal way this year, like, I don't know. I mean, maybe the Jitney to the Hamptons will be full, but it shouldn't be. Oh, my be. <laughs>
0: God. It shouldn't It First of all, I think all those people already left for the Hamptons. They're there. And they've, They're been, there. they've been there for a moment. So there's, that's the upside is that the Jitney will probably be empty. Because um, <laughs> everybody already left. Um, but on the the other side, it's like, you know, your whole – like, the, the whole ecosystem has kind of just, like, ground down to, like like, very quiet, like – low hum New York and it's yes. kind of weird to like walk outside and just be like oh there's no city like there's a city the city's still there all the lights are on things function but like there are no people people make yeah. New York and it's you know? yeah
2: People make New York. That's so true. Um, so just going back to the bigger picture of all the states that are opening up, uh, according to data from Johns Hopkins University, only 16 states' average daily cases have dropped significantly um, So, in, like, recent weeks. So, you know, the original CDC guidelines were to have a consecutive 14-day drop. So that's not really happening. Um, Florida and Georgia, the first two states to reopen – are, surprise, surprise, facing scrutiny, um, because it's basically around the manner, the way that they're reporting coronavirus cases and, and infections. A Florida official who created the dashboard tracking infections was removed from the project for, quote unquote, insubordination, and is now publicly warning that the Florida Department of Health isn't being transparent about how the infection is really spreading, which is not surprising, but it's alarming. Wow. <laughs> um, and as of Monday, Florida began allowing malls, restaurants, gyms, and libraries to open at fifty percent capacity. Georgia, on the other hand, also is under fire for publishing misleading information about the trajectory of infections. So, Kaylin, i I don't know how you feel about this, but this is also my big fear for just like the kind of information war going forward about the virus.
0: Yeah. And it's not surprising that two, the two States that we're talking about, Georgia and Florida, both were States where there were very narrow, extremely narrow wins by the governors in charge um, in the last election cycle. And yeah. And (laughs) and they have done a lot of public manipulation to get to this place. And It it is not surprising that both of them are are deep allies of Trump. You know, like they're they're in this for the power gathering, in my personal opinion. Oh,
2: yeah, and I mean, it's not lost on me that I mean Georgia in particular, but Florida too. We're talking about elections where uh, large swaths of the population were disenfranchised, and then those very populations, so people of color disenfranchised in Georgia, disenfranchised in Florida. Those are the very people who are going to bear the brunt of all of these infections. Cause as we've seen, you know, people like black people are dying at higher rates because of all the various factors. So it's just like you disenfranchise a group of people and then do whatever you want with them in Florida and Georgia, apparently.
0: Yeah. Because, you know, It really comes down to, and I I hate being, like, a giant nerd, but, like, the the thing is, like, if you're going to represent representative government, the whole point, right, is that you need to represent everybody. You know, you are representing constituents whether or not they vote for you. But what if you just decide that the only people who matter are the people who vote for you? Well, then you end up in a system that this constantly replicates where you actually don't mind when large sections of your citizenry die off because they weren't going to vote for you anyway. And I was like, that's not healthy for many, 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 many reasons. Because that's a terrible thing to be. But like, just on like a moral level. But like on a on a government level, this is the the consequence of that. Is that lots of people will die because no one cares about representing their interests. No one cares about like, oh, I won by like this small percent for some inexplicable reason instead of winning by super small percentage and thinking, wow, I barely won. I should really look to represent the interests of so many more people because i'd like to win by a bigger margin next time instead they're like what if i just have absolute power now i'm pretty sure that's how that works and now i just murder everybody who disagrees with me sounds good i'm like what is this like are we in feudal like feudal europe what's happening i mean i do i, I do feel like i
2: need to pause daily and ask myself are we in feudal europe <laughs> <laughs> like is- that is that the situation. When I planted <laughs> my little herb garden for my birthday, I thought,
0: are we a <laughs> girl?" <laughs> <laughs> extremely normal thought. Extremely <laughs> extremely normal.
1: Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now, you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to com. that's Newly with two U's, and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's NUULY.com, Newly with two U's with code FeverDream20. Newly subscription clothing rental, change your clothes. Speaking of free
0: you're up this market of churches. Um <laughs> yes. <either> resume services. <laughs> Whether or not it is safe to do so. Uh, this week a federal judge struck down an order from North Carolina governor banning indoor services, allowing those churches to welcome back congregations of hundreds of people. Meanwhile, the Department of Justice is demanding that California ease restrictions on places of worship, which it claims violates residents' constitutional rights. Currently, in-person church services there are not permitted to resume until after manufacturing and office work. Um, So they were set to, they were, before this whole battle with the the federal judiciary and and the DOJ, um, there was, uh, they were set to reopen a few weeks. Um, Now, Bill Barr's Justice Department is basically saying, like, hey, this violates the First Amendment. You can't keep people from worshipping. and that there may not be any impositions on religious activity not applied to similar non-religious activity. And basically, uh, you know, Gavin Newsom's like, this is not about religion. It is about, you know, humans dying. I really feel like this is probably not a good idea. We should not (laughs) reopen giant megachurches just because because people will die. We just feel like maybe... That priority slightly higher than being able to go to church.
2: Giant mega churches where passing things around, including but not limited to food and drink, is kind of like a huge part of the service that goes on there. So,
0: And you can just imagine them saying, like, Jesus doesn't want to see your mask. And I'll just be like, Jesus definitely does if he loves you. That's exactly yeah. how that goes. Put that mask on. You know, yeah. like, you don't want to be visiting. That's not, that's not a good thing. Um, yeah, so basically, uh, we have evidence for all of this, obviously, because previously there were openings for Mother's Day, and, uh, those two services exposed hundreds of people to the virus, and one Northern California church who defied county orders not to allow singing at religious services tested positive, uh, singing. I guess. Um anyway, to to gather at uh, religious services tested positive for the virus shortly after. So I wonder if maybe yeah. like if maybe when you're you're this is gonna be
2: a completely uninformed thought that I'm about to say, but I wonder if maybe it's because when you're singing your your droplets get all things, well, my, they, they I
0: held <laughs> further from your mouth. I mean I they're they've uh theoreticize that maybe loud talkers are are able to spread the virus more precisely for that reason and i feel very attacked and i would just like to say right now that that is not going to stop i i just want to be clear i'll be behind a mask i have talked louder because of the mask so okay it's not going to stop
2: yeah i had not heard that information (laughs) and so i just apologize in advance to everyone that i have infected as a result of that because Yeah, that's also just not going to stop. Okay, uh, so now moving on to the economic impacts of this, which are many. Uh, Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin and Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell testified before the Senate Banking Committee yesterday. Um, Sparks Notes' version of that is that uh, things are not... Good
0: <laughs>
2: with, with yeah. the economy. Um, they both warned of permanent economic damage, but basically offered different approaches to avoiding it. Powell, pretty much prior to this, and then in his statements yesterday, has been urging Congress to offer additional stimulus measures. He's basically saying we need to send people and businesses more money, ASAP, like in magnitudes much much higher than we've been sending them.
0: Yeah, Nucan, it makes perfect sense.
2: Yeah, well, we're also looking at, you know, in Europe there've been they the solution that they came up with is like we're just going to pay everyone's salaries and we're just giving money to these businesses to keep paying their workers and that's how they're handling all of this. We've opted for like this complicated series of loans that you have to go out and apply for the loan, and you have to get on unemployment, and no one can get on it because the phone lines are dead, like, are full, and like we're gonna send you weird piecemeal checks that don't really match up
0: to your <laughs> income. Three dumb. That's my two words for you. <laughs> Okay, that's what that feels like. <laughs> I, I am free to navigate a complicated bureaucratic process. And if you fail, it's your fault. That's how that goes, basically, yep. is is the narrative right there. Um, and which explains why Steve Muchen is like, let's get more people more money. Um, yeah. But so- specific people.
2: Yes, so Powell's very pro-more-stimulus. Mnookin is basically sharing, the he's, he's parroting what the White House wants and he's doing Trump's bidding here, so he's pushing for a swift reopening of the economy. Um, yeah, so that he can force low-wage workers to go back to work and people like him and his wife can zoom around on their jet and yell at those low-wage workers at Starbucks or whatever it is that they do with their spare time. So, (laughs) like... um, Powell, on the other hand, noted that uh, full economic recovery cannot rely on reopening alone since people will not feel safe to flood stores and businesses until there's, you know, protections in place, etc. So, the kind of the common sense thing that everyone's been saying. Uh... So there we go. Um,
0: Jerome Senator- Powell is actually a professional. That's yeah. what I would say. Like, he's a professional economist who, like, thinks about the economy in many important ways. So he pays attention to, like, data. He's like, I, I don't feel super awesome going to Starbucks while I could die. I just feel like that's probably pretty common feeling. So, yeah, that's, that's going to replicate about a, a billion times across our economy and no one's going to go anywhere. Um,
2: he's also trying to do his job, which is to like manage and fix the economy, whereas Steve Manukin is trying to do kind of his job, but mostly to help President Trump get reelected like he's on his the
0: job is that as far yes. as President Trump is concerned. <sighs>
2: yeah, it's crazy that he has Alexander Hamilton's job now,
0: <laughs> oh, wow, that just stabbed me in my soul <laughs> truly, truly really sad to think about it all. I'm gonna Hamilton Steve, Steve Mnookin
2: <laughs> <laughs> now I'm thinking about it in terms of Hamilton with Louise Linton singing all of Eliza's songs from the musical <laughs> 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 Louise singing Burn about like her credit cards and shit okay anyway <laughs> Ohio Senator Sherrod Brown uh, actually had this to say about rushing to reopen businesses, especially those staffed by essential workers more likely to be non-white and women. We can play that clip here.
0: So how how many workers should give their lives to increase our GDP by half a percent? that you're you're pushing people back into the workplace. There's been no national program to provide worker safety. The president says reopen slaughterhouses, nothing about slowing the line down, nothing about getting protective equipment. Is is, how many workers should give their lives to increase the GDP or the Dow Jones by a thousand points? You know, workers should give their lives to do that, Mr.
1: Senator. And I think your characterization is unfair. We have provided enormous amounts of equipment. We've worked with the governors. We've done a terrific job of getting them. Mr. Sector,
0: I'm not going to let you make a political speech about how what a great job we hear that from the president in his news conferences when, in fact, this country, uh, the president did, is is still not led an effort to scale up testing.
2: I really like Sherrod Brown,
0: I like his gravelly voice. He's the best. He, he really is, and his wife is also awesome.
2: Yeah. Speaking of, I
0: love how we're we're talking about everyone's wife today. Um, speaking of, great wife. <laughs> great wife. I mean, I think like you kind of have to when you when a when a guy marries a woman that capable and brilliant, you're kind of like, oh, what's well on you? Like, yes, you're, you're kind of a better person. I kind of think of you as a better person. Brown is great as a center on himself, by all by himself. He's great, but it doesn't hurt the kind of is wife. Doesn't hurt yes. at all. No, no, so. and it
2: is, it does, it is always a sign to me that a man is like uh like self-actualized when he can have a wife who is like accomplished on his own level or in her own field. Like when she's exactly like wheeling and dealing in her own right and doesn't really need him, that I'm like, oh he's he's mature when it's like a Leonardo DiCaprio situation and all of your girlfriends are 25 year old models who absolutely like stat are many many status levels below you I'm like what's going on there
0: uh, you, you said it it's the truth <laughs> you know why I feel like I feel like like being a meme right now why would you say something so controversial and you have no <laughs> it is what it is it's true um and and I think like the the point about like the a lot of workers who are like really vulnerable right now you know being the people who um you know because ultimately like what Sherrod Brown's saying uh, you know just uh, aside from his brilliant wife is, like, you know, the people who are, like, most vulnerable in the society are the people who are going to have to take the brunt of this reopening. And there doesn't seem to be a lot of focus or compassion for them. Um, And I think about that in terms of, like, what's going to happen? You know, like, like we're we're all kind of, like, living in this exact moment, which is very real. We're all, like, kind of on adrenaline. Um, But, like, there's no, like, thought about long-term consequences, about, like, what happens... In like three months, because I remember seeing this tweet, which was basically just very straightforward. It was like, "The virus hasn't ended just because you are bored. The, yeah. yeah, the virus is still there. We are all <laughs> still capable of like dying the same way we were three months ago. Nothing yeah, there's has
2: literally no change in that at all. And it's really this is something that like I've been thinking about a lot, which is that like you know there are all those studies that show like how much stress. And how much just mental bandwidth it takes for you to live a life where you're not getting your daily needs met. So if you're like below the poverty line and you're existing in that way, like your mental bandwidth is taken up by trying to get those daily needs met. So is someone Mm -hmm. who's dealing with that kind of stress going to be able to also take on all of these like social distancing guidelines, all of these different like things that need to be done to like whatever exist in society they they probably can't take that on like they probably can't take that on so by by making sure that we provide for those people we're giving them the ability to also do the social distancing and do all the things that they would need to do to keep themselves themselves and others safe
0: yeah and i also think about how it's kind of crazy going back to like the jerome powell thing because he's like does his job instinct to be like give people money like the, the the thing that like creates money the most money per dollar like if you spend a dollar from the federal government what creates some of the most money back to the government like ultimately like economic activity and the answer is like snap if you give a dollar for someone to buy food that Food money goes directly to food immediately. There's no question. People spend that money, it goes into the economy, it multiplies immediately it has one of the best multipliers in our economy. Just just like that, just tells you like how fundamentally people are missing basic necessities and like what kind of impact that's gonna have long term. Because when you're talking about like mental bandwidth and everything like that, you're also talking about like the resources to be able to routinely Do things like wash your clothes. Like it's a lot easier if you don't have to go to a laundromat and you don't have to work for hours and you don't have to do this. And then you don't have to like, you know, if you're like a single mom, then you've got a kid stuck at home while you also have to work because you can't. There's no, there's nothing to split that time. You you can't invite someone over to watch the kid while you work because that becomes its own thing. So then you're talking about resources to be able to maintain, even being able to go work. And there's no, there's no interrogation of, like, what structures these people have. It's just like, oh, the work needs to get done, you know, force people to do it. Exactly. mm,
2: No. Yeah, that's the exact way to say it. Like, no interrogation of how we actually get this thing. Okay, it's like, you want to reopen the economy? Great. Let's actually talk about how that would be done in a responsible way. But no one wants to do that. They're just like, no, reopen it. No one wants to do the hard work of figuring out, like, okay, what would actually have to happen? What would need to be passed through Congress? What aid would people need to be get? What like top-down rules would need to be put in place? But
0: they don't want to do yeah. they don't want to do the work of governing. They just want to be It's not even just the, the work of governing. It's also like thinking about how people's lives work. Absolutely at no point did they think about how their barista was living. Like, no one, that's not, like, something that you contemplate unless you are friends with somebody or you know somebody or you are just a generally empathetic, basic human being. That, like, like, oh, how do you live life like that? And you say, like, oh, well, $15 an hour. It's like, okay, well, do the math on how many dollars that is per year and then think about, can a person actually live on that? And yeah. that, unless you're talking about, like, a teenager who's living under the resources of someone who's not making that kind of money who's making significantly more money probably not going to be able to survive very well and like no. there's no architecture there to think about like oh what what does it mean to have to go back to work for $15 an hour when you are in the middle of a pandemic and it could cost you every interaction costs you your life
2: And that kind of brings us to, I think, our last thing, um, which talks, which is new data showing how young workers have been hardest hit by the economic crisis. Um, so notably, basically, young workers were more likely to lose their job in the crisis than other age groups. Uh, these numbers are from a report published Tuesday by the think tank, the Resolution Foundation. I love the names of think tanks. Mm. So I never, you can never, it's always just like the documents group. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, sounds good. <laughs> and the report found that people under 25 were hit hardest by job losses, with 23% of employees aged 18 to 24 having been furloughed or lost their jobs completely. Um, by comparison, only 15% of people 35 to 44 had also lost their jobs, and young people were also the most likely to have their pay cut with 35% earning less than they did at the start of the crisis and 9% earning more. Congratulations to that. Yeah,
0: wow, that 9%. <laughs> Boss. Yeah, yeah.
2: Good, uh, good for you, honestly.
0: Yeah, Get, you, get your check. <laughs> get that bag. So, um, <laughs> I, I think about this a lot as somebody like we we're both I think people who lived through the the, the economic calamity of 2008 yes, and that indeed. was our coming of age and I'd like to point out that we are still at the age now <laughs> where we're still young workers <laughs> yes. and therefore we have gone through a second round I'm kind of fascinated because they got 18 to 24 and they got 35 to 44 and I'm like there's a whole decade in between there. I know. I'm like, <laughs> I'd like to have what, a discussion about that. <laughs>
2: yeah, exactly. I'm like, but what about us in the dark valley in between? Who, yes. Yeah. Uh, again, not to be a meme, but uh, there's there's that meme of, I think it's from Westworld, of the cowboy like putting a noose around his neck and looking at another guy and going, your first time, because they're about to like die <laughs> and then come back yeah, to yeah, life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I always think about that to like, the slightly younger Gen Z people,
0: I'm like, welcome. <laughs> welcome <laughs> <to a> recession. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and, and the thing is, is that it's like, it's very destabilizing, right? Like, you, you basically open up your life, and you're like, wow, that's gonna be crazy. Like, I'm not gonna have enough resources to do any of the things that young people do. In another way, though, I think it's kind of like we've like reset the expectations for like what you should be achieving by the time you're like 35 anyway. Because yeah. they're all like, "Have you any idea that we have no money?" People will be like, "Why are millennials not buying diamonds?" We have no money. <laughs> There's no money. <laughs> we I know would buy diamonds. I guess if there were money. <laughs> <laughs> <No> money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, I mean, that's
2: the craziest thing when they're like, it's it's all these so many of these articles that come out are like. Why aren't millennials buying a house? And it's always just like, we don't have any
0: money. I Welcome, would... Gen Z. <laughs> <laughs> so the not having money crisis. Right now. Like, <laughs> Join us. Um, exactly, exactly. Like, I mean, in, in some ways, it like makes perfect sense. Like, you're talking about people who are very entry level, it's their first time in the job market. I mean, it would be very unrealistic for them to have like great employment numbers right now but like again going back like there's no consideration of like the long-term ramifications of like a whole i mean we we should know it by now like what happened in 2008 and like basically our entire generation i mean there was a law school bubble i mean we had professional level people who had gotten who'd gotten master's degrees professional degrees who were having trouble finding space in their field. I had a friend who had a a master's degree in math, which everyone was saying was a thing that you had to have, and she was underemployed, like, horribly, and, like, barely making her loan payments. Like, that's the kind of thing you're like, long term, this is going to have an effect, isn't it?
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I had friends who graduated, like, a year or two before me, who, I I feel like they got it, like, even way worse, and were truly stuck at home, like, that, you know, trope of whatever, like, millennials stuck in their parents' basements. Like, they were stuck in their parents' basement. I I had friends who applied for
0: jobs every day and could not get anything. So Three, four times a day. You're sending out resumes. You're trying anything. And it's like, I remember just sitting at home and feeling like you need a bachelor's degree to be a receptionist. And just, like, feeling a piece of myself die as a college dropout where I was like, I didn't finish my degree, so I guess I can't be a receptionist like and then you're just like seeing like this like massive and then I think about someone who just finished four years of college and took on a crap load of debt and they're being offered receptionist and I was like yeah something feels very bad here something feels it's, bad and wrong it's like you <laughs> apply for jobs
2: over and over again and then you finally get one and the terms of the job are so disrespectful because they know like they know that you need it. So they're like, we're going to pay you $5 a day. You work 80 hour, like you work 80 hours a week and we get to slap you when we want.
0: And you're like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay I'll take that it. So depressing, but it's so true. I mean, I, I think like in some, in some ways, like the pandemic, the fact that like it's not solved. I feel like we need to go back and be like, we didn't fix this. We're just opening despite the fact that nothing... Yes. Nothing got fixed. Absolutely 0% got fixed. We've just become desperate enough that, yes. we, that a huge chunk of our government is like, if we don't get money flowing again right now, I will not be able to get my second yacht. And it was in the <laughs> middle of construction. Must, <laughs> that, must reopen. And I mean, that is an emergency. I um, mean, <laughs> you can't just live on the first yacht. I mean, what what's that about?
2: Just- All right, I think that that probably brings us to the end of our episode. Caitlin, it was so great to record with you. I hope that it we speak so again. <laughs> 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 Guys, until the end of the pandemic, I'm Elise Morales. I'm Caitlin Bird. And this is the Betch It Sup Corona Cast.
1: The Betch Sup podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman. Our podcast managers are Mike Coscarelli and Sean Kilby. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Artwork by Bernie Levine. The SUP is created by Sammy Fishbein. Be sure to follow us at Betches underscore SUP on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send your emails to SUP at Betches.com.
3: Betches.